Hey everybody, this is Tom Westcott from Trinity Lutheran Church, and you're listening to Trinity's newest podcast, What's the Point? We're going to dive deep into some church stuff, some life stuff, some theological nuggets. We're just going to be talking about what's the point of being church? What's the point of doing the things we do? So I'm excited to uh, have this have this new adventure start with a couple of my great friends here at Trinity Lutheran Church, and I'll pass it around. My name's Katie O'Connell. What do you do, Katie? Uh, I am the digital communications coordinator, so all things social media. Uh, now, podcast production. Um, you can find me in the sound booth on Sundays and Wednesdays. Woohoo! Uh, yeah, it's a good old time. And I'm Heather Day. I am the children and family ministry director here at Trinity. And just celebrated my 10th anniversary working here at Trinity wow. in at least four different roles. So, but I've been in this one for a year and a half. So, yeah. Well, thank you all for joining us again for uh, episode one of this, of this new venture. Uh, this season, this the first few episodes, we are going to be talking about kind of what's the point of why we are Lutheran, why we're a member of the ELCA, which is the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, that's our specific denomination, and then why we're a Reconciling in Christ congregation. So join us for these first three episodes as we dive deeper into discovering and wondering what's the point of who we are as Lutherans, as ELCA Lutherans, and as Reconciling in Christ Congregation. All right, but Katie, before we do that, I want to ask you a question. Mm -hmm. What's the point of doing a podcast? Because just about everyone has a podcast. Mm -hmm. I mean, even TikTok stars have podcasts. This is true. Um, I think the biggest point is because... Uh, well, I'm, I'm the youngest one of the three of us, and I'm only 27, but I have a lot of church questions, like a lot of church questions. And I think that's a very common theme that we see amongst churchgoers, especially um, younger ones. But I would also say even up to older ones and like, you know, why do we do things the way we do? Why do we believe the things that we believe? So um, having a place where we can come and kind of answer some of those questions um, I think will be very helpful for a lot of people and hopefully um, help us to understand and kind of form our faith better. And Katie, are you a mm-hmm. big podcast listener? Um, no. I've recent. I've actually recently gotten into a couple. Um, it took me a really long time, but I've, I've realized that uh, – so my family lives in River Falls, and so I make that drive. It's like an hour-ish drive, a little over, pretty regularly. And listening to the same old music over and over and over can get kind of boring. So I found some really fun podcasts that I do like to listen to. So Are they I'm, true crime podcasts? Not yet. <laughs> um, one of them is uh, from the girls from One Tree Hill, and I'm obsessed. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, yeah, so I've recently gotten into them, but I know that you're a big podcast person. I am. Yeah. I mean, I, I've listened to podcasts for a long time. Mm-hmm. Since back in the serial days, if you're looking for like an old, really good podcast, oh. serial was like the OG. Oh. Um, but now, 
yeah, I listen to podcasts a lot. Mostly, mostly when I walk my dog. That happened mm. this morning, but but mm-hmm. a lot. I, yeah, I I have a library on my phone of a lot of podcasts. So, so what, I'm excited. What's for your go to podcast right now? Like you're gonna go back to your office and you're gonna throw a podcast on. Ooh. Oh, I mean. That's such a hard question because it depends on the mood. I listen to a lot of political podcasts, uh, some churchy podcasts. But uh, I was just telling you guys before the show about a new podcast I was just listening to this morning that I'm in the middle of the episode. So that's what I would turn on is this new one with um, two female professional runners um, called uh, Nobody Asked Us with Des Linden and Kara Goucher. So that's been a fun one to listen to. Yeah, I... I listen to a few podcasts, mainly just churchy ones and or sportsy ones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, I definitely have my NFL draft podcast. I have my Vikings <laughs> podcast. Uh, and then I've got some sermon prep podcasts. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, not cool like Heather. Yeah, that's fair. All right. um, I also inadvertently get to listen to a lot of fantasy football podcasts. Oh. Because I am not the one in my house who listens to those, but... Someone mm. else in my house does mm-hmm. a lot. All right. So why are we Lutheran? That's, uh, I think, a big question uh, that a lot of people either uh, wonder or perhaps just forget about. I think in confirmation, mm-hmm. we often hit on that topic once or twice a year, and then we're done. And, mm-hmm. of course, Lutheran theology and Oops. why we're Lutheran is talked about most every Sunday at some point during a sermon. But... I think the richness of how the Lutheran faith came to be is often forgotten. And so I think that's a great place to start. Uh, yeah, I think, I think our first question is, what, what is a Lutheran? What does that even mean to be a Lutheran? We have lots of people in our congregation. super cool. <laughs> <laughs> we have lots of people in our congregation who don't come from a Lutheran background, mm-hmm. and, and now they attend this church and so what is a Lutheran what makes us different than non-Lutherans yeah so I guess I would go back all the way to Luther (laughs) sorry they're starting to giggle because I nerd out about this sort of stuff we like it that's why you're here (laughs) this is true uh back uh in about 1517 actually a little earlier than that uh in this medieval era of Germany and Europe the the world as they knew it wasn't anything like uh, we know it now. Like life expectancy was like 40 years. Like I just turned 34. Like I'm not ready to go again. I uh, would literally be, be dead. dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like childbirth like resulted in death sometimes for the mother yeah. or the child. Like a simple virus could kill you. Democracy as we know it just was not at all existed. Mm-hmm. And so, and the economic disparity between people with power and wealth and the church and regular folks was just drastic. And so this time of the church, uh, I think Christianity was often used as a power tool uh, to keep people mm-hmm. oppressed mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, you think of like the language, like church services were in Latin and a common person did not know Latin nor mm-hmm. know how to read, so they relied on the priest to communicate what that meant. And, well, you know, sometimes that didn't happen very well. So anyways, Luther lived in this crazy time, and he had this really wacky idea that God's grace did not have to be earned. 
Like you didn't have to climb the spiritual ladder of doing good works Mm -hmm. in order to have God love you. Luther's whole idea was that I'm an imperfect being and that God just loves me no matter what. And, you know, we can talk about Luther's idea, the fancy term Mm -hmm. is like justification, but it's really just that God loves you, period. Which was brand new information. At the time. Oh, right. Yeah. This yeah. was not what other people, this was not what was being communicated by mm-hmm. the church. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. And and really, like, okay, so there was this, okay, yeah, here we go. Um, <laughs> there was this Catholic priest named Johann Tetzel, and he would go around Europe selling indulgences. And an indulgence was like a, a literal piece of paper that you purchased saying that X amount of sins were forgiven from you or a loved one who was in purgatory. And so people would spend all this money, even all the money they had saved up if they were poor, to get sins taken off their account, if you will. And Luther's like, what the hell? Right? We can buy salvation? I thought Jesus (laughs) did that on the cross. And what did all that money go towards? Yeah. Mm -hmm. The St. Peter's Cathedral or Mm -hmm. whatever it's called. Monuments. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, it went to material things. And so... Luther had a huge issue with this, and so he nailed 95 ideas or theses that he thought how the church could change to be more in line with how he understood it. And so he nailed these ideas to the church door in Wittenberg, where he was a professor. And so that really, we talk about that as the igniting point of the Reformation, and really it had been bubbling before with other reformers, but that was the tipping point. And uh, do you know the date that that happened? Yeah, yeah, that was uh, October thirty first in fifteen seventeen. And do we do we recognize that in church now at all? Well, thank you. Yeah, we do. So the last Sunday of every single uh, October uh, in Lutheran churches across the board is Reformation Sunday. So we wear red. We remember the Holy Spirit's work through Martin Luther, and uh, how we are called to constantly be a reforming church. Uh, and I mean that by how is God calling us to live anew as church for today, not for 1517 or even 2017. Mm-hmm. Pre uh, Hanks Wilson, uh, how are we called to be church today? <laughs> Sorry, pre COVID is what I meant by Hanks Wilson. Oh, that's a whole other story. <laughs> so, so this whole idea of Luther sparking this uh, and being a reforming church, I think, is a big thing for us as Lutherans and how we're called to constantly discern what God is up to in our lives and how God is calling us to be church in a constantly changing world. Uh, Tom, could you talk for just one minute about um, something you may not be prepared to talk about, but uh, in other traditions we might hear about saints um, and people that are really venerated. And that's a little Mm -hmm. bit different than how we see Martin Luther because Mm -hmm. like Yes, he was the founder of this particular flavor of Christianity that we're a part of, but like we don't see him as being a perfect figure. Correct. Yeah. Luther had lots of flaws. Uh, he, in particular, in his older age, had a lot of anti-Semitic writings, which is very problematic. Uh, but, you know, we can learn about why, perhaps. Not excusing, but understanding why. Um, so Saint, the question of saint, uh, you know, I think, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, for those of you out there who have uh, gone to Catholic grade school, and uh, but a saint in the Catholic tradition is at least someone who has performed 
a miracle or two miracles or something like that. Uh, but, you know, we don't, the Lutheran tradition doesn't hold the, the categorical sort of approval that the Catholic Church has of performing miracles and being approved by the Council of mm-hmm. Cardinals or Bishops. See, I'm, I'm terrible. Uh, but, you know, as, as a Lutheran, I lift up folks who, uh, any folk who lives into those God-given vocations as a saint because they are partnering with God to do God's work here. So I think any one of us can be saints. We are the All Saints. Uh, you think of All Saints Sunday, we think of everyone who's uh, gone into the next life with God, but also we're called to do that work right here. So I think we're all saints as well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we, of course, have our, our heroes of faith, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Heather has an amazing resource in her office about holy troublemakers. And I would say all of those folks are saints in one way or another. Stop by and check that out. It's fantastic. Who's your favorite uh, holy troublemaker? Oh, gosh. Um, You know, the first one that comes to mind that I was on my my calendar recently of holy troublemakers was Mary Oliver, the poet, who, Mm. you know, is not necessarily someone that you would think of as a church person, Mm -hmm. although there's certainly spirituality in her poetry. But Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, just uh, the view of the world that she had. And it's just really beautiful. So fair. Yeah. I I liked Sojourner Truth when that was on your calendar. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, she's good. I don't know who that is. Oh, Oh. Come and visit my office. Okay. Go visit. Okay, okay. Go visit. Okay, so I kind of talked a little bit about the history and nerded out a bit. Thank you for that. Uh-huh. Yes. But Luther had so many other great points of perhaps how the church might be lived anew uh, in his understanding of the Christian tradition that Lutheran, the Lutheran faith has adopted uh, and kind of I don't want to say canonized, but you know we really take those on as hallmarks of how we understand what it means to be a Christian. Uh, does anyone have a favorite nugget besides this whole justification thing? I'm yeah. I'm happy to go first. Yeah, go um, on, please. So these two have heard me tell this story before, but uh, I was recently in California at the Extravaganza, which was a um, continuing ed opportunity for children, youth, and family um, ministers in the ELCA. And we got to hear Bishop Layla Ortiz speak, who's from uh, Washington, D.C. area. And she talked about growing up in a non-Lutheran tradition. And then when she was exposed to Lutheran theology, she it completely changed her life. Because she had been in a tradition where she... Um, she was taught that you have to follow all the rules and do all the things in order to hopefully maybe someday earn God's grace. Or I shouldn't even say God's grace because she said she hadn't really even heard that word grace. But in order to earn God's love, in order to earn a place in the afterlife and whatever. And she heard this Lutheran theology of God's grace for all people, God's love for all people, mm-hmm. this... Um, vision that all people are made in the image of God Mm -hmm. and that that creates this uh, kind of full humanity for all people in a way that doesn't necessarily come through in other traditions. Mm -hmm. Um, So there really is this emphasis um, because God's grace is for all people, unearned, uh, just a gift from God, um, that that just really affects the way that Lutherans see the world um and see each other mm-hmm. uh, and i i 
love that so much. This, this idea that, um, you know, all people are important and, Mm -hmm. and really have this, our humanity is tied up in our identity as, um, being created in the image of God. Um, so I love that so much. And I love all the ways that we'll, I'm sure talk about in the future that that gets expressed, um, in the church. Um, yeah. So that's, that's one, um, little theological nugget that I love. And then the other one that I was thinking of is a little more, um, specific, but in confirmation class, at least when I was in confirmation, I'm not sure if you still teach catechism Mm. so much in confirmation Mm. class, but Luther wrote the large catechism and small catechism, which was basically like a cheat sheet. Um, the large catechism for pastors, the small catechism for at home use, um, to kind of translate, like, why do we, uh, what's important about the Ten Commandments? What's important about the Apostles' Creed, etc.? Um, and and my favorite part of the small catechism, which, wow, that's a nerdy way to start a sentence. <laughs> my favorite part of the small catechism is uh, Luther's explanation for the Eighth Commandment, which is, you know, thou shall not bear false witness. Um, and in his, I don't have it in front of me, but basically his explanation for that is... Not only should you not tell lies about people, but you should always assume the best Liar. of people, right? You should always assume the best of people's intentions and not mm-hmm. assume that they are, you know, trying to be devious or bad or whatever. And I just find that that is the little nugget that I think of most often in my everyday life. Mm. It's like, oh yeah, let's just let's just assume the best of, yeah. you know, whatever we're seeing in people, but not in a naive way. Right. But like. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I like the first part you lifted up because uh, not that I didn't like the second part, but it gets to that idea of vocation that our full humanity being created in the image of God, mm-hmm. all of our callings in life are indeed holy. Uh, Luther, sorry, Luther wrote uh, once that his job as a pastor is equally as holy as someone who's changing a diaper, mm. who makes shoes, or who cuts hair. Like, they are all equally holy because they all are living into a calling from God. So if you're out there changing a diaper or breastfeeding right now at 2 a.m. in the morning, uh, your work is holy right now. Mm-hmm. Equally as holy as someone else's. Mm-hmm. That is something people need to hear more often. It is. Well, and especially, too, because it's like, for me, anyway, I... So I went to college, got my communications degree, you know, all that good stuff. But I had like this huge just panic attack basically in my program director's office on like the third day of fall semester of my senior year because I I went in and I'm like, Mitch, I don't think I'm in the right major and I don't know how to go about this. Mm. And it was very difficult because then, you know, I, so I ended up finishing with my communications degree, no big deal. And I went and uh, had initially gone to seminary and learned that seminary was not for me. I was really struggling with it. Um, I think I was just also really burnt out of being a student. Um, But that lingering question of what am I supposed to do? just was in the back of my head not even back it was like so it, it took up my entire brain capacity um 
And I feel like having a calling in that sense is talked about so often when, you know, when you're in a church setting, like, mm-hmm. oh, this is what you're called to do. You know, you're called to be a pastor. You're called to be a youth director. You're called to be whatever. And some people just, that's not for them. And so, so having, having that reminder, that really simple reminder that like where you are is, you know, even if it's not long-term, that's where you're supposed to be. That is where you're called to be today. That could change tomorrow. That can change in a year. That can change in however long. And it might never change. But everything is a calling from God. It's not just those who are working in a church. Like, mm-hmm. it, I don't know, seems to be sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if we sometimes lack that, I call it a, a, a holy imagination, mm. that all those things are indeed holy and mm-hmm. and good and from god uh so anyways uh i i have a, a nugget that i really like and let's hear it yeah uh, yeah okay so the the fancy latin term is simile justus et peccator which translated into english is essentially being a saint and a sinner at the same time simultaneously saint and sinner. Ooh. I've seen yeah. really cool t-shirts. Where it's like inverted. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It says saint, and then you flip it over, it says sinner. Yeah. Very cool graphic design. Mm-hmm. Okay, go ahead. And I love that because it gets at kind of the real, hu- who we are as imperfect beings. Yes, we are created in the image of God, mm-hmm. but we are imperfect. And that's okay, right? Like, as a parent of three kids... I feel like my fuse is really quick and I get frustrated really easy. And thank goodness I have a six-year-old who is very socially and emotionally aware. And she says, dad, maybe you should take a couple breaths. <laughs> yes. I get parenting advice from six-year-olds. Yes. But the point being is that in my vocation as dad, I can do great things and I can struggle too. Mm-hmm. And knowing that that's part of who I am as created in the image of God is okay. But I don't have to get hung up on how I, yes, I want to be a better parent and do better, but I don't have to let that weigh me down. And Luther had this, uh, sorry, I've got it written up here of what Luther said, but he pretty much said that because Jesus has taken on all of those sins for us already, like that, those don't define us. Hmm. Hmm. Because we are also in that act of God's uh, saving, however you want to think of the cross and atonement and all that. We could do a whole other series on that. That's going to be heavy. Do the people want to hear about that? Probably not. Let us know. (laughs) Yeah. Let us know. Uh, But those questions of like, am I good enough already? Like the cross Mm. says yes. Mm -hmm. Like the cross to me says, Tom, you can struggle. I love you. I want you to be a better parent, but I love you still. And that to me, oh, it's that exhale. Mm-hmm. It's that release that, okay, I can take my three breaths. Thank you, Olive, and <laughs> and try again. But And for me, again, being a saint and a sinner at the same time, uh, perhaps just like you said, Heather, for the Eighth Commandment, resets me to think, okay, how can I see the best in others and see the best in myself? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's great. All right, so we've kind of talked a little bit about why or how the Lutheran Church came to be, a little bit about what we like about the big Lutheran nuggets. Mm -hmm. Uh, But is there anything else that 
really hits home to you in your everyday life of how you live out being a Lutheran. And Heather's already kind of started us down that road. Is there anything else that really helps you? Well, I love, I'm just looking at our notes here Mm -hmm. and we have the bullet point. Why are you a Lutheran? And Mm -hmm. for all three of us, maybe at least two of us, I know the answer is, well, because my parents were (laughs) all of us. Yes. Mostly. My mom was Lutheran. My dad was Catholic, Mm -hmm. but dad never went to church. Mm -hmm. So mom was kind of left with that responsibility. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So why am I a Lutheran? Well, because I always have been is right. is the easy and comfortable yep. answer, which again, Bishop Layla Ortiz reminded me that being comfortable about something is a privilege. So mm-hmm. yes, what a privilege it is mm-hmm. um, to, you know, have grown up in this um, tradition mm-hmm. and with this faith kind of um, embedded in me. But um, the thing that I think about um how being Lutheran affects how I live or how, how, you know, why I'm still here basically in this Lutheran church. Um, I, I know that I have had the experience of going to other churches and seeing other denominations. And I, you know, and maybe other people have had this experience where you go and you go to a worship service and you're like, that's nice, but something just feels a little bit off about it. And I can't mm-hmm. put my finger on it yep. always. Um, and one of the things that I've come to realize that I really appreciate about being in this Lutheran church is um, that because we see all the people around us as, you know, fully human children of God, important Mm -hmm. people, we have this um, way of valuing community Mm -hmm. and faith in community in a way that doesn't always translate in other um, traditions Mm -hmm. where maybe more the focus is on your personal faith and what you personally do and, and doing all the things yourself. Um, you know, I think of Nadia Boltzweber as a pastor oh, in the her. ELCA, and she um, talks a lot about how uh, we don't have to have all the faith ourselves every day. You know, we can say there's a reason why we say the Apostles' Creed in a in a corporate setting, doing it all together, because I might not believe that today. I might not be able to believe this part today, but the person mm. sitting next to me probably does, and so they are holding me um and and making it okay for me to you know I'll still say the words and that's fine and mm-hmm. and the community around me is is holding me up in that moment um rather than me needing to take on the burden of if I don't believe this today well then what's going to happen mm-hmm. you know like so all that pressure on yourself and so I just love that we really have this focus on community and and that's part of the reason why you know worshiping together is so important mm-hmm. um for us so that i i really love that and appreciate that i think i appreciate that more as i get older and just recognizing that like oh yeah all these all these people are here to help we you know we're here to help carry each other's burdens mm-hmm. and lift each other up and um, i think that's really beautiful mm-hmm. yeah i don't I don't, I don't know that I have an answer as good as that, to be honest. <laughs> and thanks for listening. Yeah, right? Um, no, it's, I, sometimes I do, I, I, not sometimes, a lot of times I sit and think, okay, what, what really sets, sets me being Lutheran apart from me being, you know, anything else, from me being Catholic, from me being Baptist, from whatever, and, um, I think for for me, I mean, we we touched on this quite a bit already, but it's that aspect of of grace, 
Like we don't, mm-hmm. you know, there, there are days where I just feel like <sighs> just a God awful person, you know? <laughs> and, and it's, it's that kind of thing where you're sitting there and you're self pity and you're like, gosh, I don't deserve anything good in the world. And, and then you go to church on Sunday and you're just like, oh my gosh, this is what it feels like to be loved still. This is mm. awesome. Um, and so I think that for me, that's also something that I really try to uh, live into myself is just showing a lot of people um, a lot of grace mm-hmm. um, because nobody's perfect. And, you know, I think hopefully all of us are able to recognize that. Um, and so having that space, like holding that space um, and kind of that, that, I don't know, I don't want to say gift, but that, that practice of showing people grace, um, has been just impactful in a lot of ways, both in my faith life and my everyday life. Um, plus I think, I think too, one of the things that I really appreciate about being, um, about being Lutheran is being able, like, so, so like I said, my dad's Catholic and so we've been able to have a lot of uh, very interesting um, conversations about that because so while they are very similar, they're also drastically different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just kind of being able to compare and contrast and and make again make sense of why why Lutherans believe what they believe and how that fits into my life and how it makes sense to me um, has just been good. It's just been good and it's bringing a lot of light and will continue to bring a lot of light into uh, this topic for me. Yeah. I don't really know if that answers the question, but you know, it's, yeah, it's, it is what it is. No, it does. Yeah. It does. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to our first episode of our uh, reinvented podcast where we're we're talking about what's the point of a lot of stuff. And this season, we're talking about what's the point of being Lutheran and ELCA and reconciling in Christ. So we hope you join us for our next episode. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.